Mario Kart 7. Discover the land, air, and sea chaos of new Mario Kart 7. New carts, new courses, new characters, new ways to race. HTTP backslash 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 Mario Kart 7 dot Nintendo dot com. Only on Nintendo 3DS. Rated E for everyone for comic mischief. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. In the words of Gladwell, random banter is that magic moment when an idea, trend, or social behavior crosses a threshold, tips, tips, and spreads like wildfire. Random banter, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. Malcolm Gladwell quote? Really? Hmm. Yeah. What's it about? I I, I don't know. I just know there's a Malcolm Gladwell quote. I, I listened to him on revisionist history, but I, I couldn't tell you what it's about. I'll give you a hint. Tip? Mm-hmm. Ing? Tipping point? Tipping point. That's it exactly. Why would I pick tipping point? Because there's a bit of a tipping point to, well, everything. We were starting to do the final act of this run on the Hickman FF slash Fantastic Four slash Future Foundation series thing here. Yep. And Val and Nathaniel talk about it for like two pages as well. Oh, that's, that, that, yeah, it's true too. Yeah. The reason they talk about it is because that's what it's about. So yeah. Because there it's what it's about. Exactly. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So that's why I chose that. Very, very nice. We are going to get into that a lot in this issue. There's a good chunk that we need to talk about and kind of lead into where we're going. But before we can get there, we need to just banter a bit. Can I tell you that I'm in a good mood? Really? I'm in a really that's really good nice. mood. Yeah. That's excellent. I love it when people are in good moods. It is such a nice thing to slip into or to be into. What's yeah. got you in a good mood, buddy? We talked about this last time, and I can say that I'm finished with it now. I have completely watched all of Ted Lasso, and I am working on my second rewatch. Or, nice. or my first rewatch, I should say. I, I'm going through the series again. I finished it. I said, that's a warm hug. I would like to watch it again now. So I am <laughs> almost done watching a complete second run through of it. You enjoying it, Van Damme? I'm enjoying it very much, Van Damme. <laughs> you loving it, Zorro? I, I, I got to tell you, there, there's a comfort. There's a blanket that goes on you. There is a happiness that you get. By just being in this, you have to be that goldfish in life. You have to be able to swim through. You have to be able to learn how to connect your sewer systems with other people's and get all the mess out. You have to know how to be curious. You have to know how to enjoy <laughs> barbecue sauce. And you just have to know how to be nice to people and, and let people really work it on itself. You, you hear what I'm saying, Diamond Dog? <laughs> <laughs> now, there is a lot. There is a lot of good, good things in there, and I really enjoyed it. My wife and I really enjoyed it, and it's enjoyable to go through it, and, and I'm watching again. I found a podcast that I'm enjoying listening to about each episode and kind of picking up a few more things that I missed there. It, there's a lot of little things in there. It's really, really good. It's really fun, and it's it's kind of giving me a very happy view on life. So It's a 
positive vibe show. It is great for that. And just to see the development of each and every character and how they end better than they started. Each yeah. and every one is so amazing. It is so Except great. for one. Except for one. There's only oh, one character in the yeah. entire thing. And, and for those of you that haven't seen it, and that we've got some people who are geek lovers out there, I'm not going to say who it is. Not going to say who it is. Because it's also one of the things that they... They kind of ruined that actor a little mm. bit for me. They were good enough that uh, I think that they, yes, this, it was fun to see them in this role. And I think they had enough background where you could forgive them and just be like, well, he's playing a role. Sure, so. sure, sure. But it, it, there's enough too that you're looking at it like, man, they kind of ruined that character, that actor. For yes, me a bit. but also <laughs> that character sort of ruined themselves way oh, before. Yeah. It yeah. just became on a public stage. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I, it's great. It's it's a good show. And, and the fact that all of the acting is fantastic in it. It really is. It's just well done. Great. Well writing. The music's wonderful, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got really good music cues. Gone back through and picked up a few music things, added that to my list. So that's really kind of fun. No, so did you hear how the person who plays Roy Kent, how they got their job, how they got that position? Yeah, he was he was writer. He's a, he's yeah. one of the writers of the show, yeah. and he was writing the character. And they, I, I saw an uh, interview with Jason Sudeikis, and he was talking about how you don't write for a character that you can play. You don't do that. You write, especially like something like SNL or something like that. You're mm-hmm. writing a character, and you're going to find the right actor to play it. They were writing this character for Roy Kent, and he just slipped into the role perfectly, and. Apparently, he's so 180 degrees different from that character. Yeah. It is beautiful. He was, I've seen interviews with him where he was saying, he goes, I am not this character at all. I'm not Roy Kent. But I'm writing it, and it's like, I could probably do that. And he's like, so he made an audition tape, and he kind of gave it to him. He's like, hey, if, if, if you want to look at that, look at it. And if you don't like it, just throw it away and forget about it. And, and he said the response was, yeah, we can't be bothered to find somebody else, so the part's yours. <laughs> so. And realistically... He is kind of one of the breakouts, breakout oh, uh, characters of the show. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> and we cannot say any of his lines because no. we are a family-friendly show. <laughs> Here, I can say one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's one of these shows that I want to show my daughter the show, and I can't. Yeah. I can't. I have to wait a few more years. Yeah. There's a little bit of that there, yeah. You could, but it might be a lot awkward. I think I could get through a lot of the language, but there's a couple of scenes that are like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> So, but no, it's such a good show. Such a good show. It is. It really is. I have shown my daughter the dartboard scene, because you can find that on oh, YouTube. And yeah, the nice. dartboard scene, chef's kiss. You yeah. know, that's, that is the show right there. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So um, I'm very happy about that. Wanted to mention one other thing, and that is, drum roll please, doop Got a new show coming out. You do? I do. Man, I am behind, I am streets behind when it comes to your podcasting. Yeah, it's kind of funny because realistically, we haven't talked since the last time we recorded, and yep. somebody contacted me and said, I've got an idea, and we recorded our first episode on Monday. So, hey. Okay, what you got? <laughs> it's It's going to start coming out in September, but it's going to be called... This is going to blow your mind. The Flash Gordon Files. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of things to go through on that, yeah. How much do I know about Flash Gordon? <laughs> oh, my goodness. You could probably fill Ming the Merciless's little shriveled heart with how much you know about Flash Gordon, I bet. I, I could I could, I could, could probably use one of these post-it notes here. So, yes. no, I, I, I know very little, but Nicholas Man. Prom, 
who has been oh, on okay, our yeah. show, friend of yeah, ours. He's done a show with he, him before, yeah, too. Yeah. He has done a lot with Flash Gordon. He's a really knowledgeable guy. He's done a lot of research. He's got a Facebook page that he started that's growing leaps and bounds, and he wanted to do a show. So right. it's called The Flash Gordon Files. We are going to start off with the 1938 serial of Flash Gordon. And yes, I know that Longbox Crusade a few years back, they covered the entire serial as well. We're going to cover it too. And that's going to kick off a lot of other stuff we're going to cover about Flash Gordon. So we having talks about people we can you know, maybe talk to, interview. Yeah, that's what I got going on. I'm going to start no, doing that's, that. That's sweet. You're going to be holding my job on that show where you just show up, look pretty, make some funny funnies, and then occasionally kick out a, ah, yeah, he'll yeah, save uh, every one of us. Yeah. I already did that. Already did that. Um, all right, that and, and that's and, all you and, need to do for the I next told, 50 years. And I was told years. that I don't have to do any editing too, which is great considering yeah. that after we got done with the first recording, I went ahead and did some of the editing. So oh, you're, <laughs> a, you're a dumb sucker is what you are. No, yeah. I was like, look, I will clean this up and we're going to do some different recording thing next time to <laughs> not do this again. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. We will figure it out. But no, I, that's going to be fun. It's going to probably come out in September sometime. So probably maybe a week or two after this week or two, maybe three weeks after this one comes out. But look for it. The I Flash Gordon Files. It will be on a podcatcher near you. I'll be a listener. Jeff, tell me about your two weeks. We recorded two Wednesdays ago and then the Thursday after that, I said, huh, my throat's getting a little sore. And then I got sick until still, because got to have that end of school year revenge where you volunteer a bunch at the end of the school year and those little germ kids say, have a good summer. <laughs> Aurora and Hillary had it and uh, Hillary's transcended into a sinus infection and then they got better and then I got it and now I have a sinus infection. And yeah, it was great because it's like on the 4th of July, I slept till one and then kind of said, okay, the neighbors are doing fireworks at nine. I'll go out and do some fireworks for a couple of hours. And then the next day it was like, okay, I got to do the kid program and the kid take her to swimming lesson thing. And oh, okay, well, we gotta, we're going home now. Yeah, it's 534 in the afternoon. Time to go to bed for 18 hours. <laughs> so that helped. But yeah, I've been, I've been sick and miserable. Still am, but feeling better enough to be doing things. So yeah. So I'm glad you're in a good mood. <laughs> I'm in a great mood. I'm in a fantastic mood. I'm in such a great mood. I think I want to give you a beer. Oh, I'd like a beer, but how about instead, uh, before we get to beer, I give you a two-sentence replay of the last episode to wet your whistle. I will allow that this one time, but then I'm going to definitely give you a beer. I need me one. Trust me, trust me, trust me. When the Kree Empire and the Denzins of the Negative Zone show up in Manhattan to destroy the Earth, it might be time to take a vacation. So Val does just that by translocating the top three floors of the Baxter Building and the Smarty Pants Brigade to the lovely Latvarian Alps for a ski holiday. The kids quickly realized that they didn't like bundling up so much that they couldn't tell each other apart, so they then decided to help Grandpa Nathaniel, Kristoff, Doom, and the last remaining alt-reality read on Earth fix Daddy Reed's Reedgate so that Jerk Reed could go back home and catch up on his Netflix queue. Now that the everything is going according to Nathaniel's plan, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Reach into that brown paper bag and... Check out the little present I got for you, sir. But first, set your phaser to stun. Click, click. 
That was my thumb. I don't have a real phaser. Super Phaser! Hazy Double IPA 2023 edition from Ecliptic Brewing. That's cool. That's a starscape with little gray paint splatters on black. And then a nice flame-colored crystalline-looking phasers. Spamming phasers. Yeah, somebody just phaser spammed on this. Just going, shoot them! No, 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 no. That's all happening in space. So this is what it sounds like. Ah, if you were a realist, or the phasers would sound like this, original TLS version, terrible screeching noises. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Story time is, you know, it's a beer. Recycle the can. Drink it, and then be good for the planet. We've given it all we've got, Captain. Super Phaser Hazy Double IPA takes our fan-favorite phaser to the extreme with higher ABV and an extra doses of Azaka, Mosaic, El Dorado, and Citra. This recipe dials up the juicy hop flavor to an absolutely stunning degree. Jeff, you're sick. How about some hops? Mmm. Hops will help. Healthy hops will help. Why would you pick Super Phaser? Hmm, is it because of the Celestials and their face beams? Would it be because of an Ultimate Nullifier? Would it be because... There's a lot of phasers, there's a lot of lasers, there's a lot of space going on here. Yeah, there's all the Doombots going going shoot crazy. That is a hazy IPA. I poured it with so much foam that I will never be able to get to drink it. So I'm going to go to the can. I think that there are actual scenes in this issue. Yeah, here we go. There, there's one right here where there is actual lasers firing with stars mm-hmm. in the background that looks very similar to this can. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> a lot of lasers in space, a lot of lasers in space. We have a hazy IPA, so it is thick yellow. You can't really see through it at all. It's it's your straw yep. color with a really thick head, really foamy head. It tastes like a hazy IPA. It tastes very much like exactly what it is. Yeah. It's good. But it is exactly what it is. I can definitely taste the Citra and Mosaic hops. Very hop forward. Very much getting that juniper taste that you like to say in drinking it. But at the same time, I am getting that juicy flavor in there as well, too. So it is very flavorful. There's a bit acid taste in there. It's Mm -hmm. not too bad, though. Yep. There still is acid. Still getting some of the sweet in there, too. So it's... It's tasty. It's nice and simple. It's it's a hazy IPA on a hot day. I don't know what else to tell you, man. It's yeah. This would be a nice, cool drink to have out there in the yard with your friends. It is exactly what you want to be drinking on a day like today. It's great. It's good. It's a warm day. Yeah. yeah. This is perfect for doing that. We may have done this so much that we're just like, it's a hazy IPA. If you want to know what a hazy IPA tastes like, we have explained that to death in most of our past episodes. <laughs> this is uh, straightforward. It's pretty simple. It's 8% ABV, so that's going to help us get through this issue. We should be sounding pretty loopy by the end of it, but... Be nice you know, and relaxed. Nice and relaxed. And I mean, there's nothing for us to get upset about in this issue at all. Probably not. Nobody. No. Nothing. nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Let's get through the issue, shall we? Jeff... Tell me a little bit about the opening credits. FF, issue number 13, February 2012. The Bridge. Credits. Writer, Jonathan Hickman. Penciler, Juan Bobolo. Inker, Marcelo Sosa. Colorist, Chris Sotomayor. Letterer, Clayton Cowles. Editor, Tom Brevoort. Featuring the Future Foundation with Valeria Richards, Franklin Richards, Dragon Man, Wu, Vil, Mick, Tor, Turg, Tong, Leech, Bentley, Alex Power, guest starring Nathaniel Richards, Doctor Doom, and Christoph Bernard. Yay. So, when we left off, the kids were poised to turn on the whatchamacallit gate to Reed World. We pick back up at that moment where Captain Nathaniel is directing Val to engage the plot. 
Bentley is providing the reader and Val with more unneeded exposition about what is on the other side of this science gate she is opening up. Yes, Bentley. We know this was the Council of Reeds HQ and that it was infested with Celestials. Geez, we have covered that info. He and Val may be ready to trip that light fantastic, but the boring and safe side of the Smarty Pants Brigade is not so optimistic. Our boy Alex may be our hook into this book, but between Dragon Man and him, the team has its fair share of war rewards. Well, the switch is thrown, the gate is opened, and a charred skeleton comes out. Oorah! Now we got ourselves a party! Kristoff, during one of the rare moments he remembers he has a spine, directs some of the Doombots to go through the gate and secure the other side. Don't get too hopeful. It's not a spine, just armor. Not everyone is scared, though. Take Franklin, for example. He feels that this is right, and he wants to race his younger sister to the other side. And speaking of the other side, well... It's just a long bridge in deep space, and there are four Celestials just hanging about, waiting to judge someone. Judging people. Hmm, good times. Speaking of which, let's head back in time and check out a Nathaniel and Val interaction. Ugh, if we must. Back in the fun times, when the Baxter building was in one place, there was not multiple invasions happening at the same time, and cryptocurrency was a novelty, not a headache, Nathaniel is having a chat with his favorite granddaughter. And when they chat, Schrodinger's cat gets very nervous while Pavlov's dogs quietly slink back to their kennels. What we are saying is that this is the place that theories go to have a tea party with Absinthe and the fun mushrooms. Nathaniel is reminding Val that all of the events they have set in motion are starting to stack, and a false move could result in some Jenga-like issues. Jenga-like issues like worldwide destruction, at the bare minimum. It's probably not going to happen. But yeah, it could probably happen. Val does ask if they can pull the plug on this Rube Goldberg series of events. But Grandpa Time Explorer chuckles and gives her a... I might just be a simple country chrono explorer, but heck no. He does seem like a guy who would use rural folksyisms, doesn't he? As he reminds her, there are events that always happen, such as Black Bolt and the Supreme Intelligence resurrecting, the Kree and Inhumans fighting, and Johnny Storm holding back the extermination of Earth with his Annihilation Wave, and additional seasons of Saved by the Bell even though they all already graduated from high school. Also, do not forget that the Celestials will always get cranky about Galactus resurrecting as a result of Earth's demise. Well, the Celestials are always cranky about something, am I right? Like permanently finding that someone ate crackers in their bed. The point is that these things happen and they need to happen for their things to happen. And in order for things to work out right, they need to delay and spread out all the other happenings for their thing to happen the right way at the right time. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there is a chance that there is a chance. And with that, they disappear to work on secret things far away from other people. Meanwhile, we are back in present day as the Doombots are holding a line against the might of the Celestials. And Kristoff is popping a blood vessel yelling, Hold! To his robotic forces. Ah, uh, yes. Well played, Kristoff. Glad the skills you gained from your work's three-day mandated leadership seminar are finally paying off. In alternate reality space, no one can hear your motors whir while you continue to do the task you were doing before middle management showed up to tell you what to do. Zack, Zack. And while the battle rages, Doom decides that it is time for him to have some fun. He demands that the Bad Richards... Grading on a curve. Release his collar. Reed has his own plan. Remember... 
He's the only one with the Infinity Gauntlet. But that only works in his reality. And if he can just make it to his door... Yeah, 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 yeah. Val is done with this. She whips out the Ultimate Nullifier and gives the Safeway Select brand Reed the age-old question. Do you feel lucky, punked? Reed backs down and releases the Collar of Doom, saying that he has never released a Doom before. So... Consider this the impossible realized. Dream that impossible dream, buddy. But before the two untethered adversaries can really start to hash it out, Alex suggests that everyone take a look at Franklin. Our little power plug has walked away from the quote-unquote good guys and is halfway on the bridge between them and the giant godlike beings. He and Leech are looking up, and Franklin asks if Leech has any advice. Win. Good talk, Coach Beard. And with that, Franklin creates a force bubble to float next to one of the Celestials' heads and says, Knock off all this evil. The Celestial scans the mini meat sack and deduces that this is the Harbinger of Doom and decides to destroy it. Zack. But that ain't no laser. No. Our little boy Franklin is playing with cosmic level powers and turns the blast into flowers. Not energy. This impresses the Alt-Reed and the Celestials, and let's be honest, most sentient beings. I mean, this is really only the second time that flowers have spontaneously appeared in space, and the first time it was with a sperm whale. Okay. Well, the Celestials decide to try a different approach. They erase the background. While this may seem mean, this is actually smart, especially for the writer of the story. In fact, I think the existential dilemma of putting a comic book character on a blank page was started by the consortium of artists who just got really lazy. In the book, the space gods are taunting Franklin about how his future is oblivion and emptiness, and Franklin is handling it like a mature person would, if they were a young child with no impulse controls. So, he throws a fit? Yes, he throws a fit. And it works. He pops back into reality just in time to see one of the Celestials shoot off its fingertips at the space bridge. Chunk. We should emphasize that these are giant metallic robot things. So, it looks like four small rockets. How is that Celestial going to drink its tea when it gets home? Um, probably with a cosmic straw. Huh. Okay. Well, the finger rockets have jammed the gate open. That means that the Celestials now have the gateway to our reality. You know, that place where the end of the world is going on. Now is where things start to get strange. Now? Now is the point? Okay. Yes, now. Val says that there are 16 minutes and the kids all start to head back through the gate. The Alt-Reed has a chat with Nathaniel and Val, and it goes like this. Reed knows that there is a specific future Nathaniel is trying to guide the universe to, and it looks like he's willing to help. He hands Nathaniel the trigger for the big anvil thingy-majiggy that he and the Council of Reeds were making before everything went all real pear-shaped. And he asks for, and gets, the ultimate nullifier from Val. And additionally, Dr. Doom is staying too. Why, you might ask? Well, because Doom is Doom. And if there is something like saving the world with all of his subjects in it, Doom will not allow some bargain basement Reed to do it on his own. Also, as we have said, he is Doom, the destroyer of worlds. What god dares stand against him? All hail Doom. All hail Doom. And all hail this cover. I mean, seriously, let's talk about this cover here. Nothing to do with this issue. Nothing no, to do with this pretty, issue, except nope. except that we got Doom and we got Franklin. We got Doom just towering over the background of this comic. I mean, the only thing behind him is the FF logo. He's standing right in front of it. But he's there in this gray color tone 
cloak and armor. So we don't really see the green. The green is in the background and standing in front of him because he's got his arms crossed and he's looking down unimpressed is only a mass doom can look and he's looking down at franklin richards little franklin richards in his white ff costume with his fist out and forward giving one step below a nazi salute i guess (laughs) (laughs) it's the fight the power it's fight the the power it's power up it's the solidarity it's the whatever you want it's a he is doing an imperial salute to Doom is what he is doing here. He is mm-hmm. giving Imperial close fist salute straight out to Doom. Because all hail Doom. All hail Doom. <laughs> Once again, Mike Choi and our good friends, Guru EFX. I like this cover. It's it's really oh, cool. Yeah. It's it's very yeah. slick. It's very, it, it again, is that painted consistency that we've seen a lot. Definitely not as good as a Alex Ross cover, but I do like what this is. I mean, what is as good as an Alex Ross? But this is really Alex good. Alex Ross. And Alex <laughs> Ross. Yeah, Alex Ross is as good as Alex Ross. Nobody else is. This is great, though. Yeah. Franklin looks pretty great as an Aryan youth. Doom looks great. <laughs> the non-metallic metallics that they've painted or colored on the comic look sweet. Just super swell, super sweet. Just great. Yeah. It's a great looking cover. Yeah. It, here's what it has to do with the comic. As you said, Franklin's in it. Doom is in it. Duh, yeah. It is a bit of a send-off to Doom. I mean, we don't know all that's going to happen on the other side. We know that there's going to be a big fight that's going to be occurring next issue, but this is a bit of a death warrant here. I mean, Alt-Reed and Doom are facing off against four Celestials, and their job, they've got one job. Yep. Hold the bridge. Hold Give the us bridge time. for 16 minutes, and then whatever goes past minutes. that is great. Yep. Uh, here's what's going to happen. 16 minutes is going to hit, and then Reed's, Alt-Reed's going to say, Hey, Doom, got another caller. Slap. <laughs> and then we'll just reset that clock, and it's going to be hilarious to me only. So my question is, I know where I'm at reading, because I'm reading a bit far ahead now. I'm setting yeah, up a ahead. lot of our scripts ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Have you read the next issue yet? Nope. Be glad I read this one. <laughs> Excellent. No, no. This is good. This is mm-hmm. good, because you don't really know what's going to happen next. No, so, which I like. we, uh, but We've covered this throughout the years. I don't go ahead mm-hmm. for, for, this, for the stories. I want to come into the script fresh and I want to have my opinions formed by this is why when we get to do this at the beginning, you know, if I haven't read it, I can prognosticate or joke about something or go like, Oh, maybe this or come up with ideas. I'm like, Oh, what if they did this? Or what if they did that? And it is entirely based off of what I know, which is from this point back. I have no for, well, I've got future forward because I've read comics, but not this run, which is good because whenever we start to record, I have to stop for a second and think, which book am I doing? Because I'm a yeah. bit far out right now, and I'm kind of forgetting, like, where are we at? What are we doing now? Oh, it's this <laughs> one. Okay. I don't know these things yet, but I do know what's going to be happening next. And what's your feeling? Does this feel like they really are kind of, you guys are dead? You know? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Doom will be fine, because Doom is always around. Okay. You guys are going to be dead in a small sense, Johnny Storm was dead. Johnny Storm Johnny Storm died multiple times. Yet we knew we would see Johnny Storm again. Yes. So that being said, does being this said, still look I'd like they're going into, this is finality for them? It, it looks like a finality. I Doom exists in the stories later. I know Doom comes yeah. back. What is going to happen to Doom? I don't know. But I'm going to assume he is going to escape. I also assume... Alt-Reed is not going to get his happy ending. 
he is not going to survive this trip. And he is either going to be, uh, he might be able to help and defeat the Celestials, but I don't think he will cease and desist Doom's revenge. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to make it to Reed's alt gate. He's going to be able to use his infinity gauntlet. I think they'll be able to work together. And then I think Doom might cut the hand off of this alt Reed and gain an infinity gauntlet that only works (laughs) out of state. Maybe the other Reed will survive, but missing an arm. That's my guess. All right. I I, kind of want to write this down on a post-it note and come back to you in about you know, three or four episodes and see where we're mm. at with it. <laughs> I'll try and remember. Yeah, we'll try and remember. I, I like this, though. I like the thoughts you see. Let me ask you this, though. Since you don't know all of the things that are happening and why they are doing all of this, mm-hmm. what do you think about this crazy plan? These things all need to happen. Okay, what things? Do we really need to even open up this gate in the first place? Yes, If you look at it, you go, no, there's no point. It's Celestial standing around a reed house waiting for reed to come home when there's no more reeds. And the reeds don't need to go back there. Mm -hmm. Other than it's a nexus point, so that way reed can go to his own home. However, they did need to go there so that reed would be forced to free Doom. That is the reason why I think Nathaniel was okay with trying to get reed home. Because that would set up freeing Doom, who he needs in the future. Close. I I will give you this much. One of the things that is always going to take place is that the Celestials will always come to this reality. Mm -hmm. The reason why is because they are chasing down all of the reeds. And one of all of the reeds is 616 reed. Yeah, is a native. So So these renegade Celestials will be coming here. They will be coming here. But we need to control when that when time is. It's a matter of when. Yes. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And if you can push when out far enough, then you're not having to deal with the problem because it's not on top of other problems. So these Celestials were going to be coming through this gate. They need to get there and they need to put up some barriers in the place. So that's what's going on. (sighs) Fun times. Fun Fun times. times. Fun Mm -hmm. times. What about Doom, though? How do we like Doom in this story? Doom is Doom. Doom is always awesome and lovable and hateable all at the same time. He's kind of fridged. He's a little backseated. He's put in a corner. He's on a leash. He's being held. So he's not getting to doom his full doom. He's kind of in a holding pattern. He's been Alexed is what's happened. He's been nerfed and pushed back and he gets to pop in and kind of guest cameo a little bit where he comes in and goes line and then he steps back again. Remember at the beginning of our story way back when we started this going into this from the death of Johnny Storm, that doom was at a bad place. He was missing some of his memory. He was missing some of his his power. That only has recently been brought back to him. So he's still getting back up to full power. He is not the powerful doom that we have known. And then he was immediately tethered as well. Yes. So he's trying to get back to full speed. He's tethered. Now he can come off the leash. Now he's got a little bit of power again, but now he's in a position where he's up against four Celestials. Yeah. That's not starting with Glass Joe. That's going right to Tyson. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Probably, uh, oh boy, I can't remember anybody else from that game right now. You threw me under the bus on that one. But yeah, he's (laughs) not up to that point. He he is not (laughs) up to that point yet. But who is up to that point? Who is up to going a little toe-to-toe with Mike Tyson at this point? Franklin Richards. Frankie R, little Frank. How do you like him in this? We're starting to see kind of that uber level, that 
has been hinted at. Yeah, he's beyond Omega. He creates universes. He creates entire realities. A celestial shooting face lasers at him turning and him turning him into flowers. I don't even think he realized. He's just like, why are you shooting flowers at me? He alters reality. I mean, that's where everything is. Reality is reality. If you can change it to whatever your whim is, that's a big deal. And if a celestial is a huge force in reality, but you are still real and you can be manipulated, boom. Yeah. Franklin's amazing. Always has been. Kind of going back to things we've already covered before. We started off back in Power Pack number 17. I might be off by an issue there, but I think it was 17. That's when we had the first introduction of Franklin Richards into our book. Taking a, His parents are off. He's staying over at the Avengers Mansion while they're off somewhere, and he ends up running into Power Pack kids. And he, at that time, he has these prognosticating dreams, and he can he's just learning how to do that astral walking thing. And he hasn't told anybody about this at all. We go from that at the beginning of the run mm-hmm. to where we're at now, where he is he is stopping for celestials. I mean, he's he's yeah. not beating them and he's not destroying them, but he's but able he's not, to he's not trying. He's asking them to just kindly right. step away. And but he's thwarting them. And when four celestials are like, huh, this kid's a problem and we need to deal with it right now. Because it's not going to go good for us. Yep. And we also have the other cool thing that we already know from this, too, is we got somebody else who is celestial level power might, a.k.a. Galactus, who has Mm -hmm. said, hey, Reed, I don't like going to Earth anymore because your child scares me. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) Which is hilarious and awesome all in one wrapper. We start off as a Power Pack podcast, but somehow or another we are tracking the power and growth of Franklin Richards at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Tracking the fear ratio of Galactus. Mm -hmm. So the only other thing that really is in this, and it's, something we've been going through a lot is these secret meetings with Val and Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. What is your thoughts on this? So how are you taking all this? It's fine. I see it as a, honestly, I kind of see it as a cheap cop out on the writer's part because he can just go. And now we'll go over here to discuss our plans. And then a, a page later, they can say, yes. And our plans that we did are working. Like the plan. So it, it keeps you from having to lock yourself in on something if you need to change anything. It, okay. It's fine. I don't fully know why they need to go anywhere other than to get away from prying eyes of other kids or anything. But uh, it's it's fine. It's a storytelling technique. It allows you to say, oh, there are some people that do have a plan other than putting a school's worth of children into a celestial gate. Artie and Leech and the fish people are really contributed to the celestial fight. To be fair, I think Leech's power could be used a bit more effectively. Everybody's power could be used more effectively. They didn't touch Alex. Al- here, here was Alex's contribution when Dragon Man is all like, yeah, I'm not seeing any care or prudence or intelligence going into what our endeavors are. And Alex going, no, everybody's here smart enough to look before they leap. That was your contribution. No, you know, it, nothing. Yeah. 
This man is a powerhouse and he's done nothing. <laughs> they are all playing second, second fiddle. I, I, I am yeah. not quite sure why all of Future Foundation needs to be here. I guess it puts them into a place. It allows more of a cast to be there, more of a Greek chorus. Uh, it's an ensemble. That, that can be answering back. But I don't know if you need all of those kids there. I don't know what they all bring to this. You don't. It allows people to talk to people. So it gave you the fun little interaction of like, hey, Leech, any any advice on what I should do? Win. Okay, cool. I'll do that. It, it allows different characters to give conjecture or uh, you sure. know, just give you a little storyboarding. So like when Bentley is telling us basically what they've been up to. At the beginning of the book going, oh, so when we push this button, this stuff's going to happen because this stuff happened and then that'll happen. I think my problem with this is that we've developed this cast of characters that seems a little bit unwieldy at times. Yes. And I think it could be really drawn down a lot. I don't think we need all the Moloids. I don't think we need all the fish people. I like that they were invited into this thing, Mm -hmm. but I think that we could have shifted them all off to the side. Honestly, I like Alex being in this book, but I don't think we need him there as well. I don't think, I definitely know we don't need Dragon Man. We need either one or the other. I think we need Dragon Man or Alex, one of the two of them. They can both provide the same kind of sane support. Yeah, the kind of the mentorship, the yeah. little bit of the, the older voice of reason. I love Artie, but Artie, he doesn't really exist in this. He really does no. not. He pops in on rare occasions. Yeah. Leech, Definitely has a role to play here. They still think that Leech is keeping Franklin's power from going all crazy. They don't know. And also he is set up as Franklin's best friend. Keep him. Mm-hmm. But I re- And then Bentley is a good foil for Val. Okay, great. There just seems to not be a need for the other characters. They don't stand out. They aren't providing enough other information. There isn't, but they. it makes it so that they're available if they want to use them for a storytelling beat. Okay. And that's the important thing. Doing an ensemble cast is hard. Yeah. It is really tricky. I just don't think it's being effectively used here. That's my opinion. No. It's the summation of like the MCU where you have, it's just like, hey, this huge world thing's going on. Where was so-and-so and so-and-so and this entire other team and these people? What were they doing during this? Where, why are they there? And it's like, well, because they're not the main character. They're not the one telling the story at this point. You know, it, it's hard to give everybody the same screen time and make anybody shine. So, all right, let's move on to the final thoughts and talk about some things. You know what? Let's go and put some things up on our wall. Oh, we're in a space bridge. There is no walls. We could put it on some uh, celestial fingers. They're holding the gate open. I was thinking we just slap them to their feet because that's about as much as we can touch of them. But the fingers, <laughs> that, that would work too. All right. We got some gallery greatness. What piece of art in this book do we need seen pinned to the toes or fingers of celestials? Let's talk about backup joke ones. And I'm going to tell you mine here. And this is on page two. And I just say... He chose poorly. <laughs> and this is where <laughs> this, this is where we have the portal getting opened up, and there is, I believe this is one of the reeds, if I remember correctly, one of the reeds it has who has to be. just skeletonized, comes popping out of the portal. And I just thought of Indiana Jones the Last Crusade, and he chose poorly. <laughs> it's got an interesting face mask, kind of a Nova-esque face mask kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. no, that's a great choice. And I say that's a great choice because on Marvel Unlimited page four. <laughs> is something that I call, that's never a good sign. And it's Rick's picture. It's, yeah, it's the skeleton popping out of the gate. I thought it was hilarious too. So <laughs> twinsies on that. We're sitting at the same table. 
All right, all right. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about my top funny one. And I don't really have the page number on this, but this is this is where Nathaniel and Val are having their little chat. And they're talking about a lot of things that have happened. And one of the things that's happened is the Supreme Intelligence has come back alive. He's been resurrected. Mm-hmm. But the picture we got here is Ronan <laughs> and the uh, Supreme Intelligence. And the way it's looking, because Ronan's got his hammer up, but his hammer is like, kind of bright so you don't release the hammerhead but it's right where the head of the supreme intelligence is so it looks like ronan's holding the worst lollipop ever <laughs> <laughs> okay i saw that as being the ha- the head of the hammer was removed and that was the supremer seed sure yeah yeah is I what got i it. saw it as but yeah, yeah also that would that drew my eye because i'm all like that's odd looking i get what's going on but that's weird yes. yeah it looks like the worst lollipop ever <laughs> that is the worst lollipop no thank you doctor I don't need that. I don't yeah. need that. <laughs> Wanalali has got tendrils and four eyes. <laughs> and is green and wrinkled. It's absinthe flavored. <laughs> no, no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> what is your top joke one? My top joke one is on page 15 of Marvel Unlimited, and I call it Leech. What'd they do to you? And that is because this is Leech and Franklin are standing on the bridge looking at Celestial and Franklin's going, hey, that's weird. You can read their minds. They feel sick or something. What should I do? And Leech says, win. But Franklin kind of mostly looks like a kid in this stylized art form. And Leech looks like he's about a f- one foot, two inches tall. And j- most of that's head and he lumpy. He looks like a Muppet. <laughs> he does look like a Muppet with a lumpy head. It is, it's a little odd and it's not quite the leech that I know. And it's like, okay, that's your artistic choice that you're doing because yep. you have gone crazy on everybody. But man, leech, what they do to you, buddy? What did they do to him in Deep Not, not, not pleased with that artwork. Guess we didn't really talk too much about the artwork in this book because we did that last time. We have yeah. the same artist and all of our prior comments about the art still stand in this book. It's hard to figure yeah. out who is who. Actually, I found that it was easier in this one. It was a little bit it easier. It was easier, but at the same time... Al- oh, oh, here's a point. Alex's hair is blonde now again. Yeah. So that's good. However, hairstyles on characters seem to not be static, no. which means that sometimes I don't know who is who. It's very, very difficult. Very difficult. Mm-hmm. That being said, going through the art as it is, my best art backup is on the last page and i call it i am doom and we got oh we've got the portal that's being stuck open by these finger rocket things and you see val looking into it it's kind of wavy thing and doom's on the other side saying because i am doom and behind him we see the alt read and a couple of the celestials and yeah, it's pretty cool i like this i i like a good great good ending page like this it's my top one yeah, it's my top, and I called it "What God Dare Stands Against Me." You know, Doom's End Lines. Yeah, my backup though uh-huh. is on same same page as I had before, page fifteen on Marvel Unlimited, and I call it Big Red. Okay, it's Franklin floating up to a celestial, a red and orange glowing celestial, and I'm like, "Yeah, this dude's cool looking." Yeah, pretty simple. I like it. I, I'm gonna kind of see that one and go a bit farther in the book when the kids and everybody show up oh, on yeah. the on the bridge, and I call it. Space gods, the band, because we got all four space gods looking down. They're just floating on space and they're looking at everyone around. It's pretty cool and it's pretty impressive. And it's, Uh, yeah. It was on my list. I like that. They did some really good shadow black 
shading consistency on some of these characters, which was really neat. And the Celestials, they did really good where they kind of like, it's like, oh, this is a red Celestial. But we're going to black out a lot of it, but have glowing spots on it. And so it's got a cool kind of like, I'm in the shadows, but also I'm not. Yeah. Look, and they did that on like each of the Celestials at one point or another. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty dope. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. What is not dope is your current look because, man, you've been sick and I can tell. Yeah. And you just look, well, you look like a foolish child. How dare oh. you call me a foolish child, Alt-Reed? Oh. I am Kristoff. I am the heir of doom. <laughs> I'm on page 13 of Marvel <laughs> Unlimited. I am also my backup rubber and glue moment. How Actually, dare you? I, I'm sorry. I went right to my top one. It just fit oh, better okay. with what I was saying there. <laughs> it, it was a better way to insult you. Um, I could have said, I could have said that you are just a poor shadow of your father, but I really don't know your That's father that well. So, yeah. That was my backup, is that man is a poor shout of your father, and even he would not be able to do this himself. Yeah, that was, I think, Doom talking about Alt-Reed, <laughs> which, that's pretty good. But no, it the was best one. Yeah. The best one, you foolish child. Yes, yes, yes. You what foolish was, child. What was yeah. your other one that you had? It is on page three. It's the first page of the comic, and they're getting ready. They're going to activate the gate and do all the stuff and blah, 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 blah. And Val's working the machinery, and then when she's ready, she says, we're ready, evil dad. <laughs> and it just made me laugh so much because... Alt-Reed is her father, but also not, and no, he's the I, evil one. And I just I, thought I thought it was such a great way of just identifying somebody while at the same time poking at them by calling them, yeah, you're the same as my dad, but you're the evil dad, and here, we're just doing the thing. So <laughs> I would actually argue that it is not her evil father. I mean... Oh, it's not. The- theoretically, we could even say that they don't even share any DNA because there's a lot of other yeah, no, choices that entirely, have gone in. They're entirely different beings. And the big thing is, is that what makes Reed different from every other Reed is that he has a family. So, yep. but all that being aside, let's talk about parents. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Parent of the Year Award, Reed Richards Award for Good Parenting. I'm going to give my Toilet Bowl Award on this one for Nathaniel <laughs> Richards. And here's why. <laughs> Because he always deserves it. Specifically, I am pretty sure that none of these kids' parents signed permission slips for them to leave this reality. Probably not. Boom. That's it. That's it right there. That's my reason right there. Hold, hold, (laughs) hold, hold the line. Stand steady, robots. I would actually uh, argue that and say that they did because they knew that they were going into the Baxter building with Mr. Rito Stretcho, reality explorer as well. I bet that they, they did sign that waiver. I just don't think that they really did. Of course, I'm saying that being that I think that there's only three of these kids that actually have parents. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, man, that's sad but true. Yeah, yeah Bentley's kind of... You know, oh, yeah. Okay, four of the kids, because, well... But th- that's even a four, kind four of... of the, four of the kids. Bentley's dad, in quotes, well, he lost kind of all parental guidance and retook yeah, well, over he, that he, one. He's a clone um, father. Yeah, but but I mean, that that's still a father, I would go ahead and say. Alex Power Definitely. and then the two fish kids. Everybody else... Artie and Leech are both orphans. Yeah. The Moloids, I have no idea how their society works on that. I don't think... Th- if you're a Moloid, I think you're a ward of the state. You pretty Each much. Each and every one of them. Pretty much, yeah. And then Val yeah. and Franklin. They, yeah. They have so, mom and daddy. Anyways, that's my reasoning on that one. Mm-hmm. Who do you have for Parent of the Year Award? 
For my parenting one, uh, it, it is it is hard in the sense I don't know if I'm doing the sarcastic or the good. I'm going to put it in the good one in the deadbeat dad trying to make good category. And I'm going to give it to alt-reality read. Okay. And that's because he's admitting, you know, it's like the dad who's like, yeah, I spend all my time at work so that I can provide for my family. And yeah, I know I come off abrasive and everything, but that's because I'm tired because I'm doing my work and everything. But in here a couple of times, he even go, he's like, we were trying to just make everything better for everyone. And now it's, uh, you know, at the end, I think he even says, he goes like, this is happening because of what we did. The Celestials are here because of what we did. You are trying to guide the future to a specific point. You know what? I'm going to help you with that. Here's the thing that I set four cities on fire for. Here's the anvil. Give me the nullifier. I'm. He's probably going to end up using it on, I don't know, something. But, you know. <laughs> I'm sticking with my original story on what goes on because I think it was neat with him losing an arm. He's coming to terms. He goes, yeah, I'm responsible for this. I'll make it. I'll do what I can to make this right here. I'm going to give you the best chance that you can have so that you can live in the world that I would that you would want to have. And I'm going to try and help provide that for you. So I'm giving it to him for that. And I think so I'm giving it to him in the positive note. But again, it's very much deadbeat dad energy coming to terms late in a child's development trying to make up for lost time. Okay, I still say he's not a dad at all, but agree to disagree. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let's talk about most popular and shunned. Identify the character as the best and worst in this issue. My worst, kind of talked about it already, but it's Dragon Man. Oh, okay. He is just, he's sitting there worrying. Mm -hmm. He's expressing his fears. But besides complaining to Alex, he ain't doing much. No, so many people didn't do anything. That's the true. The only thing he is good for is he's good in a crowd because then you can find the rest of your friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're standing over by Dragon Man. Who's Dragon the, the big purple thing over there. Yeah, the one, the big monster with the wings. He, he is a signpost. I'm left wing. Yeah. If you're looking for Alex, he's right knee. Yeah, so didn't do it for me. Didn't do it for me in this one. I just kind of say, what's a lot of people there? I'm kind of putting it all on Dragon Man. He is my worst. Who do you got? I thought Dragon Man was fine. I am giving it to your perennial favorite. I'm giving it to Kristoff. Yeah, good choice. He's kind of whiny about like, no, you free my father now. And I get that worrying about your parents and everything. But also, there's a plan. We know what we're doing. You don't need to tell us to like, get across the gate, secure the perimeter. It's like, yeah, Kristoff, we know, dude. And then when he's yelling hold to doom bots, they're doing it, dude. Contribute. Shoot some hand beams or pull out your pistol or whatever. Do a thing. Don't just yell at the robots. Do Again, it was very mental management. He's a newly minted second lieutenant out in the field for the first time. I'm going to tell the soldiers what to do, even though the soldiers out there pretty the much thing. know what they need to do. <laughs> I had this happen at my old lab. QA department or something came in, stopped me from doing a job to where we were at, you know, where I was at doing a job to tell us how we're not doing the job they stopped me from doing. <laughs> what are you talking about? You stopped, <laughs> you stopped the person doing the job to tell us how we're not doing the job. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's just that, that middle manager energy where it's just like, yeah, I was doing, I'm, uh, dude, you slowed me down from doing the thing that you want me to do. Let's talk about the best that we've got in this issue. And my best is Franklin. Very nice choice. He turned lasers to flowers. I mean, 
Come on. Yeah. Come on. What else you got? <laughs> a temper tantrum when they showed him a blank page. You know what, though? It worked. It got him it out did. of it. So there, there's a time to throw a temper tantrum. <laughs> Not when you don't get an ice cream. You know, your parents have given you a little bit of ice cream, and they said, no, no more ice cream. That's not the time to throw a tantrum. Even though that tantrum might be leaning up against a window with one arm in the <laughs> air, just waving it and going all dramatic time on it. I knew you were going there. <laughs> it was the best moment ever. That was such a drama moment from a two-year-old. It was lovely. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. And, and folks, we're talking about a story about Jeff. There was a time yeah. when Jeff was about a year and a half or two years old, and he did exactly – oh, no, no, his, uh, his daughter. His daughter. No, that was my daughter. His daughter. If, if okay. you, longtime listeners will know the story, if you recall back in the heyday of our youth <laughs> in the episodes, and uh, I was talking about that. <laughs> All right. What about you? Who is your best character? I'm going to give it to Val. Ah, interesting. She helped set up plans. She – action plans and she also had enough wherewithal to go off script and be like yeah free my uncle doom here's a nullifier you know this is going to go sideways for everybody if you don't let's just cut to the chase and even nathaniel's like whoa uh, that wasn't part of the yeah i've altered the plan pray i do not alter it farther and it worked it was great and she was also proud of her brother franklin instead of being dismissive of him which i thought was a, a big deal when she's like he's a special little boy yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. To quote Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Let's mm-hmm. go ahead and talk about some top grades then. We want to go ahead and see where this fits in our lovely list. And that is a list that starts with number one, Fantastic Four, 588. Goes down midway point to, let's say, about spot number 29 with Wolverine number 37. It's where Wolverine bounced through time. And all the way at the end, the loners, number three. Now, just for perspective, we had a problem with our last one. Mm-hmm. We weren't really too thrilled with a lot of stuff in that last issue. And we dropped that all the way down. It's spot number 39. Pretty low showing. Yeah. So is this, this getting a little bit better? I mean, we've got some action going on. Yeah. I kind of feel like this is better. Yeah. You could tell the kids apart better. Yes. There's more stuff that did occur. We're slow walking the story on this one. We, we really are slow walking. It is really slow walking because it, you, know, you bring a bunch of school kids and put them in a, in a war zone and then everybody kind of stands there for a while. Uh, everybody, there wasn't a lot. Doombots did stuff. I guess they shot guns and then got destroyed. But there was a lot of standing. Yeah. So there wasn't a huge amount of doing. Franklin steps forward and does a thing until he doesn't do a thing anymore. And then they all say, we should leave this gate. And then two people say, we're going to stick around in this gate. You got Celestials standing at the end of a bridge. Yeah. And then the people walk up and some stuff happens. And then the Celestials do some stuff and then they don't do stuff. So we'll, we'll go ahead and cut to the chase here and say that this is a little bit better than the last issue. Do we yeah. think this is above... Darkhawk number two, where Chris is offered a personal trainer and then he goes to space. <laughs> I think everything is above that one. <laughs> yeah, I know you think everything's above that one, but we aren't going to go too much farther. I, I know it's going to be below. Farther. I know it's going to be below FF number five. Old Atlantis is is destroyed, and Reed comes clue clean with Sue. That was a mm-hmm. lot of stuff there. I I, I got to tell you, I still have a little bit of problem with the art in this one, so I am fine uh, with no, it. No, I get it. Trust me, I get I'm, it. 100%. I'm fine with it going below, below that dark hawk. I'm fine with this being the number the new number 39. It's going to be better than the last issue, but that's it. 
Okay. If uh, I won't fight you on that. Again, Darkhawk stuff had some real art issues as well. Yeah, but here's the thing. I could still tell the difference between the two Darkhawks. It was hard, but it was yeah. a lot easier than these kids. <laughs> the writers c- couldn't tell the difference between the two sometimes. Eh. That's how tr- difficult that eh. one was. Okay, we can make it the new 39. I'm fine with that. All right. Then let's go ahead and talk about our beer, Super Phaser by Ecliptic Brewing. And uh, this has been a hazy IPA that we've been putting mm-hmm. into our gullet. Yep, I've had breakfast today, and this eight point, um, this ABV of eight is, uh, yeah, it's doing it for me. I'm liking it. It's great. It is exactly what it is, but it is a very nice representation of it. I am enjoying yeah. it enough to give it a one, two, three, four. I think I'm enjoying that four stars. This is solid. It's I'm still getting that that hop taste, but it's not mm-hmm. getting really at- acidic. It's still remaining juicy after a lot of little while. Still cool and refreshing. It's a good representation of a hazy IPA. Mm-hmm. It It's a very good version of what it is. Yeah. And that's what it is. And what this is, is Kid's Perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his 12-year-old daughter about the issue that we just covered. Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. How are you tonight? Good, and you? I'm doing great. Just sitting here talking with you about a comic book, right? Yep. Can you tell me a little bit about what's going on with this comic book? Well... The children have to open up a portal to the little space place, that space place where it's, it's like these mad celestials and then like just because they're trying to stop them from destroying the universes in reality yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. They've got a plan, don't they? Well, somebody's got a plan, right? Somebody has a plan. Who's got the plan? Is it Nathaniel? Nathaniel and who else? Val? Yeah, this is their plan. They've got their own little secret thing going on yeah they do they do they've got their own little secrets going on it's all these secrets that they're doing they've got a plan and they just need to buy some time right yeah yeah that was such an evil four-year-old <laughs> <laughs> still not liking val too much are you no i mean <laughs> she's evil <laughs> is there any parts about this book that you liked or were really interested in or had questions on I forgot that Franklin had that, like, power and stuff. Right. Franklin's pretty powerful, isn't he? Yeah, but he doesn't really act like it. Well, he's... Until until there's until there's a time that he does, like, act sort of like it. He actually acts his age. Val doesn't act her age, but he acts his age, right? Yeah. And he always has had some pretty powerful powers. When we first met him in Power Pack, he had some powers that were in check, right? Yeah. His dad had put some blockers on him and... His dad didn't even know that he was exhibiting powers. I forget, does his dad know about the powers? His dad did know about the powers, but then everybody thought that he lost them. But when we Uh, started picking back up again, remember there was somebody that came and kind of gave him his powers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Helped unlock them. unlocked it. Yeah, yeah. So he's been playing with those, and he's been building them up, and he's becoming a little more powerful, isn't he? Yep. And now he's going around and going a little toe-to-toe with some celestials. And giving them flowers. Hey, flowers over bullets, right? Yeah. Is there any part about this book that you did not like besides Val? I didn't like that skeleton that popped out. Don't know um, don't know about <laughs> you, but don't like that. That was a read that did not make it. That was a read that failed to get across the portal before it closed and got stuck dealing with some bad, bad... Oh. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> Are you still interested in continuing on with this book, or... Are you just kind of reading it 
Because you have to. I mean, you have to because I'm forcing you to do this. But <laughs> are you liking this book? Yeah. I think it's a little too late to go back now. Because, like, now I just need to know the rest. It's a little <laughs> hard to go back now. <laughs> right. Well, and I'm not going to let you. You're stuck with me. You're stuck with me until we get done with this project or you graduate high school. I'm probably going to graduate high school <laughs> first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that might be true. I might Unfortunately be doing this for both of us. I might be doing these calls with you while you're in college. That'd be a kick, wouldn't it? That'd be very interesting. So, <laughs> <laughs> actually, that wouldn't. That'd be kind of cool. I just have to find lots of like some time in between. In between all the classes you're going to be doing. You know what? I'm not going to worry about that yet because that's like a whole. <laughs> yeah, that feels six super years, far away. That's like six years down the line. Let's let's deal with today. When you say <laughs> six years, it doesn't sound like. It sounds very close. Yeah, you gotta get working on those grades. You gotta be as smart as Val and as powerful as Franklin. Don't know if I can reach those levels. <laughs> hey, strive to the stars, kids. Strive towards the stars. All right. That's all I gotta talk to you about. Thank you very much for your time. Welcome. I love you. Love you too. I really have no idea what to say here. Carrie could have said anything at this point. I wing it up during these things. Let's be honest. I've opened the portal and let you see what's behind the reed gate. And it's me being confused. But thank you, Carrie, for joining us. And on that note, Let's go ahead and shout out and recognize those listeners that take time to write in or leave us a review. This is for episode 137, where we covered episode 137. Mm. This is for episode 137, where we covered FF number 11, Intelligence. And that was with Al Sedano and Resurrections, a Warlock and Thanos podcast. Bob Q, who says, My buddies plug Black Cat Social Club in here because they are great. Want to learn about the Power Pack? Listen! Want to hear a little bit about my book? Also listen! Also, Hoover Jeremiah and his podcast, Four Million Years Later. Jeff Polier. Jeremy Daw. Jeremy Wiggins. Sailor Bear Zodar. Starfur, who gave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Woo! He gave us five stars. He was amazing. Or they. I don't know. I'm assigning genders when I shouldn't. But that was really cool. Thank you so much for giving us a review. And they say, nice tracking. It's amazing that you guys can track where Power Pack goes all the time. You're welcome. That's my job. Also, yep. I'd like to thank Tiffany Gunderson. We also want to thank those wonderful people that still give us a little bit of money in this economy through Patreon. And that includes our supporters, adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging cheesy and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial... Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky Wind. Next issue, we are going to be covering FF Volume 1, number 14, 27 Minutes. And be sure to check out my currently on hiatus show, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Podcast Network, and my upcoming show, The Flash Gordon Files. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. 
Jeff and Rip Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of two 10-pound dumbbells here in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. Also, we have a YouTube channel at Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we'll be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We We love love you. you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s Action by Kevin McLeod. Also featured in this episode is Go-Kart. All music is found at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. In the words of Gladwell, random banter is that magic moment when an idea, trend, or social behavior that butchered that chunk and spreads like wildfire. Chunk. But if you're in Star Trek, it would sound like this. TOS. That's a bunch of noises I'm gonna cut out. That's right. I'm sure, yeah, that's <laughs> terrible. Sounds yeah. Chunk. But before the two untethered adversary but before the two untethered adversaries can start to but before the two untethered adversaries can start to really have it out, Alex suggests that chunk. I'm pouring a beer, so I'm not looking at the script because beer is important. Ah, that's the ticket. Chunk. Next issue, we are going to cover FF Volume One, Issue. Uh, la, la.